Hello, friends. I just recorded the first MMA show with Nate. I'm super stoked on the way things turned out. It's been something that I've been wanting to do for a really long time. And I'm really happy that Nate was finally able to come on the podcast. To be honest, I've been trying to have him on um, for a really long time. But due to scheduling and me um, being a flake, a.k.a. falling asleep, uh, things just didn't work out. So tonight we were finally able to make things happen. We go over the majority of the fights on the first UFC on ESPN card really happy with the way things turned out it was really fun to be able to sit and just talk about mma with um one of my really good friends and somebody who has um good knowledge on the sport so um thank you for tuning into this um it was really fun and we're definitely going to do more in the future and um the main podcast isn't going to stop this just will be like an imprint of that and um, I'm willing to have on more people who want to come on and talk about MMA. But um, right now, Nate is the first guest. Turned out really great. It was fun. And I'm definitely looking forward to doing more in the future. So um, thank you for tuning in. And please enjoy the first um, episode of um, the Jamie or K podcast the MMA ed- edition. I'm still trying to figure out the name. Um, but we'll figure it out soon but for now um just sit back and relax and enjoy the show thank you Welcome to hey, the podcast. Are yeah, you excited? I'm honored. It's, yeah, I mean, I've only known you for like 10 years. So, I mean, finally be able to grace the podcast that I've heard so much about and seen and listened and talked about countless times. All right. I'm definitely excited to have you here. And I apologize because I've definitely flaked on you the last like two or three times we were supposed to um, supposed to do this. So I'm excited that we're here. We're going to go over the first UFC on ESPN card, and I'm actually pretty excited about it. What about you? Yeah, man. I mean, it's kind of like a... <laughs> I don't know if you, have you seen like any of the footage from like the ESPN? Like they're really pushing ESPN hard. I don't know if it's just, you know, I mean, it is owned by Disney. It is like a big corporation that's kind of like synonymous with sports but even like with their weigh-ins like when you know their personnel like they're all wearing espn shirts and really like friending it so i'm kind of feeling like they're telling these like everyone to like put even more into this event and i'm feeling it i want to go back to uh when ufc was gonna announce that they had signed the deal with fox i remember like social media wasn't as like prevalent back then and not everybody was on it and i'll I'll never forget like right before the big announcement i was in my room just scrolling through twitter and ariel hawani tweeted out the actual um ufc on fox logo 
I was like, wow, this is crazy that um, they kind of like leaked the official logo before it was like officially announced on TV. And it was like like this, this crazy feeling. I'm like, oh, cool. Like finally, like the sports getting like super legit and like it's going to be like what like way more respected. But if you fast forward to now, 2019, um, the sport has had like a chance to um, develop more. And for some reason, I feel like um, UFC being on ESPN feels more right because um, it feels like ESPN is actually um, taking the the time to actually back it like way more proper and invest more into it since it's it's like since ESPN is already like way more established than um, Fox Sports was back when UFC signed with um yeah. fo- uh, fox so I, you I know think- it's i'm already seeing some of the influence that they have i don't know like when i was watching the weigh-ins i was tripping out because it did like the you know like what they do with football and all that like they'll have a like when the people are walking out the way in it has a little video of them and they said like oh my name's you know tj tj dillashaw i'm this and that and it would have been my records this and i was like oh that's crazy <laughs> like they overlaid that on top of that, and I was just like, that had to be something like they were like, oh, well, why don't you guys try to introduce more? And that's why, like some of them, I noticed like it was from Dana, Dana White's, uh, you know, contender series. Like it was actually like them like, oh, I fought on this. I did that. And like I was like, wow, like I'm actually kind of like getting a gauge of where these people are from and doing. And like you, I, I just feel like ESPN has that experience to really push the company. And I'm already starting to see little sprinkles of it, too. Not going to lie. I have been really happy with this whole um, ESPN thing. Um, I'm actually subscribed to ESPN Plus. I, I've had an account since uh, I think it was July. Are you subscribed yet? No, I was waiting till the first <laughs> UFC event. So I will be by the tomorrow when the well, I mean when this gets released. But by the time this is released, probably. A, watched it yet yeah i'll get it it's just one of those things i was like i'm not gonna watch anything else so might as well just wait till the ufc events start i subscribed because i was following um ariel helwani so he left um his old company over at um uh mma fighting and uh, joined with espn so just to keep up with him and he came out with a new show with uh shale sun and he has a show called ariel the bad guy um, but since like the deal went live with UFC, they've been sending out like, you know, all the like push uh, notifications on time on like all the like the live events. So yeah. this morning at work, I was just like listening to like some random podcast and I, I get a notification that, oh, TJ did uh, Dillashaw made weight. So I'm like, oh, crap. Like I didn't even realize that the um, live weigh-ins were going on. So like I pop open the app and they're having like a little round table it's ariel chael and brett and they're just sitting there like just talking about like all the fighters that showed up to weigh in they're going over like all the different um like storylines going into this fight and i was just like this is um something that i like really like because i'm just like super obsessed with the sport still and yeah. um that's something that ariel used to do he used to like go live on twitter from his phone and just do like his own little like commentary 
So yeah. the fact the fact that like ESPN is like backing him and actually letting them do like a like a, a live show for the live weigh-ins, like I can appreciate that way more because I don't like the um the scripted like you the know just ceremonial like weigh-ins. Yeah, because okay. like they're already like weighed in and when they come on the scale, quote unquote, and Joe Rogan's like announcing all their stuff, it's like they're already like it, like in the process of rehydration and they like wait in in the morning and I just hate it. I think it's just a waste of time. Yeah. There's no surprises. Like nothing's gonna, you know, they've had the same stare off like maybe four times before that, you know, it's just more when they're actually trying to make weight. It was like when Dillashaw, when he made weight, he was just like pretty much total. Like he's like, that's to all the haters. Like he's like, cause everyone was just talking trash that he wasn't going to make weight. And so when he did, I feel like that was a more, gratifying moment like to see because you can see the relief you can see the you know the hype where he's like i'm ready let's do this you know and that's more than you know he showed at the actual ceremonial like when you know it's just kind of like it's real you know like he's actually had to cut that weight and he actually achieved it at that moment and you can see the gratification when later it's just more like for show yeah i i just think it's a waste of time. I I I prefer the fighters being able to weigh in um, early versus having to wait to you know do the big like grand old thing. Um, but I, I get why they have to do it to like hype up the fight more. But it's just like why why can't they just like you know just direct everybody towards the early weigh-ins instead of having to do like this fake performance? It's just kind of annoying to me. Yeah, I guess it depends on who you have on the front, you know, like who's really gonna, cause sometimes those, you know, ceremonial weigh-ins like have some pretty memorable moments when you get the right people. Like you, uh, you get a talker like McGregor, you get someone, you know, like there's been some pretty crazy stare downs too, even in those moments. Cause especially when they have an intensity against each other, but like, I kind of was surprised like Cejudo, like he was pulling out a snake in the fucking earlier weigh-ins and things like that. And, all of a sudden, you know, like this one, it just kind of just seemed uh, like, you know, it was tense, but not like to that point, you know? Yeah. It just, it, it just kind of was like, okay, this is like the, like the third time that we've like gotten to see them face off. It's just like, all right, the fight's tomorrow. I just want to see that happen. Yeah. So it's, it's a pretty good card. I mean, that's one thing I think they messed the UFC messed up with, with Fox is they started off really strong. Like, they had really good cards. Like, they just wanted to, you know, they wanted to draw the crowds in. And that's what I kind of see, like, this one. is like, that's why they even made that main event, the Suhudo versus TJ Dillashaw, because they want to draw people in. And I think that the only way they're going to be able to achieve, you know, especially since it's, uh, it's not like it's on ESPN. Like, they will have fight cards on espn the actual channel but most of it's going to be on espn plus and so you got to give people a reason to even subscribe because a lot of people already have like fight pass and things like that and they're not going to get those you know cards and so give them a reason why they're spending five bucks or why espn invested in ufc you know you got to just put it all out there do you think uh, UFC putting the heavyweight title on the line for the first Fox card was a mistake? No, I don't think it was a mistake. I think it was, it drew a lot of attention. I mean, it, it did really well. And that was a pretty 
crazy outcome too. You know what I mean? It wasn't just yeah. It was the first time and like only time that we saw Kane get KO'd. Yeah, so I mean, that just kind of drew a lot of people to it, and then it kind of just showed just the like the you know like the fight game is just so you never know what's going to happen, you know? And that was one of the things like nobody expected that to happen. And that's why when you watch MMA, it's just things like that happen out of nowhere. And you're just, I always like whenever something like that, like it's like when we saw the, we went to our first UFC event together and we saw cyborg get knocked out, you know, like you just would have never seen that happen. And when you do, you're just like, you know, you feel like, short of breath you stand up and you're just like what just happened you know and you don't really get that too much from other events and different sports and you know sometimes there's some pretty come like some good comeback moments in other sports but the mma is just so unpredictable you just never know <laughs> all right you want to start breaking down the card yeah all right let's um i'm pulling it up right now let's start on the we don't have to go over every fight because there's some fights that I just literally don't care about. So we can start. Um, there's one fight on the early prelims that I want to talk about. It's a lightweight fight. Uh, Dennis Bermudez versus T. Edwards. Who, who yeah. you got for that Dennis one? Bermudez. It's kind of a risky move for him because, but I mean, he's kind of been kind of off and on and he hasn't really been drawing too much attention so i mean i feel like whenever they give someone a nobody that is a somebody like you know bermuda's is a somebody and not to say t edwards isn't a good fighter or things like that but he's not known and so when you throw someone to the wolves like that it's pretty much like this is your chance to really kind of recover and if he loses to this guy it kind of sets him back even more which he's already been in a downward spiral yeah they're both uh both coming off losses um but dennis bermudez he's on a four fight losing streak which is definitely not a good sign because most people in the ufc don't even last after four losses in a row normally they get cut like right away so the fact that he's moving up in weight to try to get a fresh start that's cool and uh hopefully it works out for him but um i'm actually gonna put my money on t edwards just because he's the younger and uh, I think better fighter because um, Bermudez is coming up in weight to fight T Edwards. And um, I'm just not liking that move by him. And just based off their last two performances, like T Edwards got a uh, head kick KO'd. And I, I think it was just, I honestly want to blame it on um, like octagon jitters. It was his first fight on the big show. Cause he came up from the uh, contender series. Yeah. So I'll, I'll kind of give him a pass on him getting knocked out, but uh, I honestly think uh, he can take it over Dennis. Yeah. I mean, Dennis, he doesn't have, he didn't have a lot of power in the lower class. You know, he mainly relied on wrestling. And so, to go up, he's not going to be any stronger than T. Edwards, you know? And it's really, can he hold someone down that's bigger than him? It's not, you know, the easiest thing to do. Some people can do it, but I don't really see Bermuda's really pulling it off. Not to say it's impossible, but, you know, I, I really do think T. Edwards will probably take that, unfortunately, for Bermuda's. 
and it's fine. Bermudez, if he ends up getting cut, he has plenty of options outside of the UFC. There's just so many organizations now that um, can give a home to, to these fighters. Because before it was either like UFC, Bellator, or Bust. But now it's like yeah. there's um, one, there's Ryzen, uh, PFL, which I feel like is a great option if you're like a good fighter. Just to be able to go yeah. to, to that tournament and have a shot at winning like the million dollars. Yeah, a million dollars is a million dollars. Most most people, I could live off a million dollars. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know, Nate. I feel like I feel like if I got a well, million dollars, I'd want more. <laughs> all you'd have to do is buy one season pass at Disneyland, and you'd be done. I guess. I don't but, know. At, at this rate, there were going to be a million dollars because the price keeps going up. Yeah, I mean, kind of sucks more for you because you, you're Mister Mister Disney over <laughs> here. Me, I go every once in a while, in a long while. So, and I ain't going anytime soon. So they can do whatever they want. But but Nate, we're celebrating Mickey's birthday. That's the new rave yeah. right now. I guess they have to buy him a gold-plated toilet. They have to keep raising the freaking prices, though. So, like, well, what else does Mickey need? He needs our money. <clears throat> Excuse yeah. me. We fund him. Oh, my God. Anyway, back to the UFC. Okay. You want what other? Yeah, so uh, that fight off, off the prelims, uh, well, that was the only fight off the, off the early prelims that I wanted to talk about. Now I, I want to jump up to the actual prelim card which has some pretty good fights. Yeah. There's, there's a, a upcoming bantamweight, uh, Corey Sandhagen. He was supposed to fight. Um, well, this whole matchup's been like messed up because it was supposed to be uh, originally uh, Dominic Cruz versus John Lineker, right? Yeah. And then Dominic Cruz gets injured, messes up his shoulder, which sucks. So they pull in Corey Sandhagen. And then John Lineker gets hurt, and I, I, I think it's, um, it was his rib or something crazy. Yeah. So they bring in this guy Mario Bautista, who I know nothing about. He has a six and zero record. Um, but this guy Corey Sanhagen, he's supposed to be like the next big thing. He, um, he's nine and one. He's won his last four fights. Uh, he last beat um, Yuri Alcantara by TKO, which is impressive. Um, but the one thing that stands out, um, about him to me is his height. He's five eleven in the, um, Bantam weight class. And, and for me, that's like really tall. And I, I think it's yeah. crazy that someone that tall can get that like low in weight. Um, I, I'm, I, I think he's going to win over this Mario Bautista guy. Um, but I'm just really bummed that we couldn't see the john lineker fight because um he was an underdog against lineker and i think uh he would have been like a live dog um in that fight yeah i i think he could have i mean lineker is really good but he kind of relies on the same tools he's always used and so if you have like a good up-and-comer that's smart has a good fight iq i think you could work around that you know what i mean and so i think someone like Corey would have been able to beat him and then he would have seen him propel and get even better fights you know he probably could have got the you know he could have took the cruise fight next you know like he could have been taking the steps up to actually making his career reality in the UFC but 
hey, I mean, you got to start somewhere. So <coughs> even Mario, but but I mean, you never know. Mario Batista is undefeated too. He might come out and shock everyone as well. It's that's the thing about this sport, it, especially when you know you're taking things on a whim. You never really know <laughs> necessarily because you you know you just have to do what's best within your own abilities and. I guess it's just to see whoever between them has the better abilities that night, or maybe they just can't take the shine of the lights. You know, you see people just freeze in the middle of things. So who knows? Guess we'll have to see that one. That'll be an an interesting, uh, weight fight. Next fight I won't want to talk about is, um, in the women's flyweight, it's uh, Joanne Calderwood versus um, Ariane uh, Lipsky, um, a.k.a. the Violence Queen. Um, what do you think Queen about this violence. fight? Honestly, they both got pretty good records. Yeah, really similar. Yeah, especially for, yeah, especially in the women's division, you don't really, like a lot of people, they'll have, you know, records, you know, but they'll kind of be kind of close to each other like they'll be like you know six and four or anything and but these two women they have like uh calderwood has 12 and three and uh ariana (laughs) i I don't think it's it's i don't think that's how it's pronounced i think i don't even know Uh, i think she's brazilian yeah well she has a good record too. She's she's hasn't lost. She's a, like she eleven and three. Oh, okay, so yeah, pretty close. So yeah. I mean, what's this called? Lipsky? Because that's, that's <laughs> we can just call her just by her nickname, the Violence Queen. Okay, but yeah, I mean, she. I mean, like, she has submissions in her. You know, the Violence Queen. She has pretty good KOs, <laughs> submissions. You know, she she's won more by KO than she has decisions, so that's a pretty good <laughs> indication of what she's going to want to do. And uh, Calderwood likes to stand in the pocket and throw as well. She's had some pretty impressive fights, and she's not afraid to get bloody. So it's one of those ones that these ladies want to throw down and actually uh, go put it all on the table. It could be one of the most entertaining fights on the card. Yeah, I'm most curious about how uh, the Violence Queen's going to handle being in the UFC and especially getting someone as skilled as Joanne. And Joanne, she's uh, calling for a title shot if she wins by knockout. She's going to have an argument that she should be next for the flyweight title. And it comes down to her or uh, Jessica Evil Eye and I think if Joanne wins by like impressive KO like I think she probably would have a better case because yeah um, she will have like two finishes in a row versus uh, Evil Eye's d- uh, decisions and that's always yeah. better in the eye of the company because they like um, exciting finishes over uh, quote unquote boring decisions yeah i mean you gotta do what it's gonna be most the most entertaining or just even the most worthy you know what i mean like you can draw you can draw out some decisions and 
you know, win matches, but it's not really, you know, especially because they could be close. Like some of them could go either way in some of these fights. And so making it an absolute, like, you know, I won by KO, I beat these people, you know, to a pulp. Like, this is what people want to see. This is what I'm willing to bring in. I think she's always put it on the table. She, you know, Joanne. So if she gets a KO, especially since uh, the opponent she's fighting is really good, she has the stats to back it up. It's not like they gave her someone who's like six and six or something terrible like that. She's coming into this and they, you know, both have a lot to lose. And so I think they're both going to put it all on the table. Yeah, they're not calling in some uh, some taxi driver to come fight her. Yeah, um, so they paid off the street to come in. <laughs> so, who, who are you picking for that fight? Um, you know what? I, I think the Queen of Violence is going to take it. Wow. Okay, Queen of Violence. That's interesting. All right, I'm going with Joanne. I, I think she's um, finally found like a, the right training camp to be at. Um, she's in love. And I, th- I think she's going to be able to walk away with the the W. Yeah. My whole thing is with Duran, like she can be really sloppy at times. And I see the Queen of Violence has a little, I think she's going to be a little more precise and I think she's just going to come out on top. And who knows? You know, it, it's an interesting matchup. So I'm looking forward to it. That's going to be a good one. And that's on the actual ESPN. You know, it's not on ESPN plus. Mm-hmm. Okay, now the last fight on the prelims I want to talk about, which I think is a really interesting lightweight fight. We have Alexander the Great Hernandez taking on Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Who are you picking for this one? Uh, it's, you know, you never want to count out Cerrone, but he definitely has a, you know, like a lot of issues too. Like There's times where he gives up and fights and i don't know if you know he's a late starter and someone like alexander who's you know has an amazing up-and-comer really big like this guy is muscular like this guy looks like he would have a lot of strength (laughs) but he's you know people like that tend to want to start really strong you know because a lot of times when the more muscular you are the more you're going to slow down the more you know depending i don't know how good his cardio is but generally the more muscle mass you got the more oxygen you use and the you kind of slow down in later pace which i think if it goes later on in this third round i think you'd see cerrone just picking them apart and winning but I mean, it really depends on because that's the best way to beat Cerrone is by rushing him and really, you know, taking him by surprise at the beginning because he's usually flat footed at those moments. But it's when you start letting him get into his groove is when he starts really coming out. And I and this time around, he didn't really seem to have that much of a fire like how he did against Perry because Perry just completely like pissed him off that to the point where I felt like he wanted to prove something more and this one every time i see things with him he's just kind of like whatever about the fight and that's not necessarily a bad thing but i don't know i think alexander's gonna come out on top on this one i just think he's gonna catch him and just really pressure him and take him down instant like all like right from the get-go damn 
that hurts my heart. I'm a huge um, Donald Cowboy Cerrone fan, like dating back to the uh, WEC days. And did you watch the press conference yesterday? Well, I'm I'm, I'm assuming you did because you talked about Henry and the snake. Yeah. Did, did you see the trash talk between Alex and Donald? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like uh, always, you know, like the up and comers always like, you're done, man. You're old. You're, you're, you're on your way out. Like what's like, it's not really anything for this guy. You know, like that's pretty much what it is. It's like, that's changing of guards. And it's always going to be like that where the younger person's always going to be like, why am I like, you know, you're done in this sport. Just admit it and let, like let the new people come, you know? I, I honestly don't think Donald Taroni um, is done. Um, no, I'm, he's like, very impressive still. He's he, he's just so like, um, like I, I don't want to say like um, like wishy washy. I feel like he's like super talented, but like I, we just don't really know like what kind of Donald Taroni we're gonna get on the night of. And yeah, I I just pulled up his record and um. I, I just never realized how long he's been fighting at uh, welterweight because if it, it only honestly it feels like he's just like went up to fight like a couple fights but yeah um his last uh lightweight fight was in 2015 yeah and um his last lightweight fight was a loss and that was a um title fight against uh dos anjos yeah and his last win as a lightweight um and i totally remember this fight he fought um john mcdessey he hit him with a head kick and broke his um broke uh, mcdessey's jaw and mcdessey uh couldn't continue so it was ruled a tko but I'm like looking at the long list of welterweight fights that he's had and everybody that he's fought has had a name like really like uh, really good fighters and it, it, I'm just right now I'm really tripping out at like how long he's been at welterweight so like I'm happy to see him back at lightweight because when he was fighting as a lightweight he had a, like a very impressive run and I feel like you know maybe his motivation wasn't there to actually be a champion he was just um you know fighting to fight for for money um but now he's like stating he wants to go on a run and i i feel like him taking this fight against alexander he wants to make a statement to the ufc like yo like i'm willing to take these fights i'll fight this new like uh like uh, up and comer to prove that i'm like down and still competitive at this light or at this weight class so i'm hoping he um you know teaches alexander some respect because honestly i felt like he was like you know really disrespectful like at the press conference and i get it trash talk you want to sell the fight yeah. blah 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 and um like I don't think Alexander was like, you know, acting to be like, like a, a, a character, you know, trash talking to, to be funny. I, I just yeah. felt like, um, like some of the stuff was like rehearsed and I don't really feel like there's like real bad blood, but between them, I, I think he's just trying to make a name for himself cause he's actually made it to like the bigger stage. Yeah. It's a good <laughs> but, opportunity. Yeah, no, definitely. Okay. But I think skill for skill, 
if, if we get um, like Don Cerrone on point, if, if we get the Don Cerrone that fought Mike Perry, I think he can beat Alexander. I, I want to say TKO second round. Yeah, Cerrone, definitely a really talented guy. It makes you wonder, though, because the older he gets, it's harder and it's more strenuous on your body to cut weight, especially if he was getting used to being at welterweight, you know? So jumping back down, it makes you wonder. Because that was a big thing when I think at lightweight, he was talking about it, just, it was too much on his body. And it started to take away from his performance. So him jumping back to lightweight, I wonder if maybe the adjustments are going to be enough to kind of slow him down like how he you know was at towards when he started losing in lightweight and that's the thing it's just more he's not with his long term like his long time gym anymore so he has his kid it may be his dedication and maybe his mindset's a lot different now since he's more doing it on his own with a, a new you know training partners and his own way so who knows could could be a whole new era for Cerrone which I would like to see he, he's definitely one of the best out there yo th- they did him dirty at Jackson and Wink so I, I I think he's better off at the ranch in my opinion yeah he and- definitely is those, those people are like it, it's amazing because you know like you see people from that gym trying to you know, back up like their gym saying like, oh, like Cerrone was in the wrong or things like that. It's just like, it's insane to me that that's even like what they would believe. It's like those people definitely are just doing what's best for their own money, like pockets, you know, like the line their pockets. And it is to benefit people that actually Cerrone is what made that like contributed to what that gym has become, you know? Yeah. If you look back at like the original team, like the big name team, like, Diego Sanchez, Keith Jardine, Donald Cerrone, Rashad Evans, John Jones, you know, George St. Pierre used to roll with him down there. Yeah. Um, who else am I forgetting? Is there Cub Swanson but, used to, you know, yeah. be down there? Um, you know, that was like the gym to be at, but. Well, like, they did the same to Rashad Evans too, though. Remember? Like they, they sided with John Jones, which. Granted, John Jones is a freak athlete, but it is still like, <clears throat> you know, he, that was your original champion. That was someone that really helped your gym as well. And you just turn on him, you know? Yeah. And obviously, like that choice is like favored the gym. But if you look at them picking Mike Perry over Donald Cowboy Cerrone, Mike Perry doesn't even trade down there anymore. He went back to Florida. Yeah. So it's just so like you just so burned the bridge, just uh, you know, not even benefit from it. It's just crazy, especially for someone who was so dedicated to your gym. Yeah, it's it's, it's crazy, but I hope uh, you know this works out for Cowboy and the BMF Ranch is uh, the right place for him to be at full time. Okay. Now just we can finally move to the main card. Let's talk about another women's flyweight fight. We got Paige Van Zant versus Rachel Ostovich. What do you think about that fight? Well, it's it's going to be I mean they both kind of been 
like wishy-washy. You know what I mean? Like, I think they both have, like, Paige Van Zandt really has fallen pretty hard from her pedestal, you know? Like, she was, you know, kind of building up a name for herself, but she's really fallen on the wayside in terms of performance. Like, she's yeah, just she's hasn't been able to. Sorry, she's 0-2 in her last two fights. Yeah. And uh, Rachel Osovich doesn't really have a great record either, but... No, she's a 4-4. Four four. It's pretty yeah. salty. So, I mean, realistically, if you look at the, you know, the other fight that's on the, you know, the women fight that's on the card, like, the, literally, that one's a lot more impressive <laughs> in terms of, like, stats and, you know, what's on the table and compared to this one. But this one's more of the namesake because they're both pretty like they have a lot of attention placed on them and so some you know generally that's what matters more um page fans that's really talented like she has a lot of good skills and i reach off of it she you know she i think is maybe less yeah i don't think she has the skill set that page fans does you know like page fans has i think better training partners better training in general in terms of like what she can do but can she really utilize them and do it is a different thing but i kind of see i think rachel osvich probably should have took more time off from her ordeal she kind of jumped straight back into this which you know good for her but i mean how much is that going to affect her mindset how much is you know is it going to make her want this even more is it going to or is it going to dissuade her? It's going to make doubt, you know? I just kind of see Paige Van Zandt, you know, like the poster child for women's MMA, for at least in the UFC's eyes, to take this one. I feel like that's just really why they gave her this matchup. Yeah, I don't... All right. Can we put a pause on the fight real quick? Yeah. Okay, I, I, I just want to talk about this freaking issue that's been going on with Rachel Ostevich, Greg Hardy, and I, I know Dana White at the press conference yesterday said that there wasn't a situation because Ostevich never cared. And um, let me tell you how I feel about this, then you, you can tell me what what you think. I was, you know, reading all these like articles about um, people calling the UFC tone deaf for putting Greg Hardy and Rachel Ostevich like on the same card. People are like, "How could you do that? Like that's so wrong." Blah blah blah. And honestly, the whole time, in my opinion, I'm like, I don't see the issue. Like Greg Hardy had his incident. Rachel Ostevich had her separate incident. <laughs> they weren't connected people were arguing as if greg hardy was the one that hit rachel ostovich in her like domestic violence um case and it just pissed me off so much because i'm like dude this is this is us in that pc world everybody is like so sensitive like oh my god how could they put them on the same card it's like dude they're both ufc fighters they're going to end up on the same card at some point like it's it's not a big deal they're two separate cases he didn't hit her and people are acting like he's the one that beat her and it's just like yeah greg hardy you know wasn't convicted and it was a little suspicious whatever that's a whole separate incident so the fact that people were trying to talk as if the two separate incidents were the same 
just pissed me off. And I'm like, I don't think the UC was tone deaf for doing this. Like uh, Greg Hardy, pretty sure he was on the card before her incident even came out. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I'm pretty sure that that was the case. But but regardless, like UFC hit up Rachel. She had no issue. And even after she had told them that they had no issue, people kept bringing it up as if there was an issue. And I think it was just like blown out of proportion and it should have never been like a topic for discussion. It's just a coincidence that these two fighters are on the same card and, you know, they both had similar incidents, you know, similar opposite um, sides yeah opposite sides and it's just like oh god it's just it it just frustrated me so much because like obviously there's zero tolerance for that i don't support it you know men shouldn't hit women especially if um you know one's like a trained killer you know whatever um but i i just think it was dumb and i don't think that that should have been big as a story as it has been the last couple months so just tell me what you think or call me crazy if I am. Just let me know. No, pretty much. It's just like what she said. It's, you know, you got to be able to move past things and you got to forgive people. I mean, it's like she was saying about with her boyfriend who beat her like or it was her husband. It was her husband. Um, yeah. He's like she wants to one day to be able to, you know, for him to you know, people to forgive him for what he's done, you know, like that's the thing people, you know, it's not right what they did. It's not, you know, what anyone should do, but to linger on it and to make it more of an issue than it is just isn't going to help anyone, especially if the person who is the actual victim of the predicament, the crime, it's, really based off of what they should feel. And if they're not feeling anything wrong about the situation, why is it people that aren't involved in it considering it that way? And that's just the way, like, should he be like me? I think it's more just him being a co-headliner, him like really just using his namesake, even though he has this, you know, kind of, or like this bad mojo around them because of what he's done. That's maybe a little more questionable than putting him on the same card as her, especially if they, you know, like you said, like they talked to her about it and she had no issues. And it's just like anything. She thinks if he's trying to better himself as an individual and trying to move past that, that you should let someone grow and develop as an individual, which that's how it is. But you know, I guess it is different. I mean, I've never been in a situation of abuse. And so I don't know, you know, like it could be a different a woman's perspective. But I think you see a lot of these journalists that have never, you know, especially men journalists, things like that, that have never gone through that. And they are pushing it as the narrative of this card. Like that should be a big focal point when if the person involved isn't even considering it or even worried about it there's no point in it it's just making an issue out of nothing and causing i mean like anything bad press is still a good press in a consideration because it draws attention to the card regardless of what is going on or what the actual narrative of it is but hey you know like i think once i mean if he loses people will probably laugh and be like that's what the that guy gets but just like anything, even his opponent, uh, Alan uh, Croder, 
he was kind of like saying like this guy needs to get this but he was like you know what like recently he was like it's not my place to judge it's not my place to really be like that towards this you know towards him and so it's just like i had to i guess got to do my job and i gotta win not base it off of what someone may like may have done in the past you know yeah definitely see your point of view and i'm I'm just yeah it, it got like really like stale really fast because i just felt like people were just trying to make something out of nothing and it was just so oh. frustrating to me because i i feel like you know i'm you know got a good head on my shoulders and i, I can normally see like things from like a good point of view um, and even I'm open to listening to other people's point of view, even if I'm wrong, like I'm willing to change my stance and try to get a better like understanding of things. But I just feel like the situation just was just wrong. Like they shouldn't have been trying to yeah. make a big deal you know, I, between these two. You know, I laugh about it. it's like the same people like will say things like about the abuse, you know, like in that but then they'll be like oh but this fight's for the pound for pound the best looking in the ufc as well like i've seen like the same like people mention that like it's like oh let's whoever wins is going to be considered like the best you know like you know the most beautiful woman in the ufc which i think is funny because like it's like you see like two different spectrums of like arguments there's like well that, then that's sexist like that's this that's that you know like i'm like it's like how could you like be like say oh he shouldn't be with someone to abuse someone and then be like well well we're gonna see who's you know actually the hottest between them who wins you know like it's just kind of like i don't get people you know what i mean yeah it's it's whack but who who do you think the hottest girl in the ufc is between them no uh out of all women in the ufc um i'd actually probably say i'd probably say ostovich yeah out of every girl in the ufc yep okay i'm gonna throw you a curveball she doesn't step in the octagon, but she walks around it. I'm going with Chrissy Blair. Oh, yeah, that's different, though. Man. I, was, anyway, I said in the UFC. Like a, yeah, wait. <laughs> Come on, man. I, g- I gave you a chance to, to change it. No, that's fine. I, I still stick with my decision. Chrissy Blair, if you're listening, um, just slide in my DMs. Let's go to Disneyland. I'll show you some cool magic tricks. We'll go on Splash Mountain. I'll show you all the cool stuff. Just, you know where to find me. Anyways, next fight. Oh, wait, hold on. Sorry. We, we actually got to go back and finish. Paige Van Zandt, Rachel Ostevich. I'm going with Paige. I think she's going to uh, get Rachel. Uh, I think she's going to win by, I think we're going to the judges for this one. Uh, I'm not sure if Paige can finish. Maybe she can. She's got, you know, she's got a little more weight on her. She's moving up. Maybe she'll come in. Uh, she'll get, she'll have some newfound power. I don't know. But either way, I'm picking Paige over Rachel. Um, who are you picking? Uh, like I said, I, I think Paige Vincent just has a better skill set. I think she's just going to come out on top. Okay. All right. Next fight. 
we're moving on to Joseph Benavidez versus Dustin Ortiz, bro. Come on. You're talking about Joey B, <laughs> one of only two men walking this earth that has defeated your current flyweight champion, Henry Cejudo. I think people just need to give Joey his respect just because he had one little stumble against Sergio Pettis. You know, I feel like after being on such an impressive win streak, he probably got bored. He's like, yo, I keep knocking out or not knocking out. I keep knocking down all these uh, potential um, contenders for the title. Like, give me my shot. Dude, he lost to, you know, uh, Demetrius Johnson twice. But if you look at the, the crazy wins he went on, um, boom, he he's won. Hold on, I'm counting. He's, he won six in a row after losing to Demetrius the second time. The second time he lost, okay, he got KO'd. Um, it was really fast. So I, I feel like after six wins in a row, like, you know, he deserved something like, Ah, oh, God, it's so just, just so frustrating that um, they just kind of put him in some like weird like limbo spot. And this matchup against Dustin Ortiz is a rematch. Like, yeah, what, what, what do you think? One about that it? he's won. Yeah, he won in their first encounter. Uh, you know, I don't think Ortiz has really gotten much better. Like, I think Joseph <coughs> Benavides is gonna is gonna come out on top again because it's just like anything Ortiz like he has some pretty good solid wins but I mean he's not like I don't think his fight IQ is the best because he's just as much as he's won he's you know lost to things like submissions and decisions like you look at like Wilson Rice beat him he got submitted by Brandon Moreno I mean it's just kind of like yeah, he has TKOs, he ha- but I don't see him knocking out Benavidez because Benavidez is a really smart fighter. He's one of the best fighters in the flyweight division and in the UFC in general. He's a really good fighter. And so I don't see him coming out there and just, you know, if anything, it could turn out to be a dis- split decision, a decision in Ortiz if he fights in a very passive way maybe both of them do but i don't see benavidez fighting like that i see benavidez just coming out and dominating him like he did last time yeah same here i I feel like i want to see joseph benavidez like put him away knock him out like he's you know capable of doing and I, I see people clamoring, yeah, like Joey won like six in a row, but five of them were decision wins. But it's like, dude, look at all the guys that he fought. Super tough, like competitors. And the fact that he was able to go on that kind of win streak in the UFC is just crazy. So, yeah, it's always really impressive. I mean, how many people can actually say they have like a win streak that's more than two or three you know against top guys in your division you know yeah you, you know uh which uh flyweight i wish they wouldn't have let go was um he's going on a crazy run in uh rising right now is uh the koji horiguchi guy oh yeah Gucci, yeah yeah like obviously he got thrown into the title fight i think really fast when he was in the ufc yeah but if you look he's at him now yeah 
Uh, go ahead. Sorry. I was saying he's definitely like bloomed into a better fighter. Like he's just grown. I think that was like a lot of people like Demetrius Johnson really fought people. He, you know, he didn't shy away from fighting people as they came into the UFC. Like a lot of times because how the flyweight division was, there just wasn't a lot of talent for them to really do. And so just as if anyone had a good record, there's pretty much like, well, you get to fight the champ. You know what I mean? Because they just kept going through everyone. And so I don't think Hataguchi really had you know, time to develop as he should have. And that's why you're starting to see now that he's had time to build up experience that he's really on the tear now. Dude, he's on an 11 fight win streak. He just submitted Darian Caldwell to become the rising Bantamweight champion. Like, and he trains in, uh, he trains with uh, Mikey Brown over there at ATT. Or ATT. I don't know why I said that's so weird, but um, it's just I, I wish they wouldn't have let him go. Maybe he'll come back yeah. at some point, but dude, I feel like that guy could do some damage. Like I want to see him and Henry uh, fight, or him and Joseph because th- th- they never got to fight. I think that'd be a badass fight. Yeah, but I mean, one one FC is just really coming up in the world, you know. Like it's Maybe. kind of becoming the place for people to go. He's in Ryzen. Oh, right. Sorry. <laughs> Don't mix up the two Asian <laughs> promotions, <Yeah>. Nate. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't oh, know how man. Ryzen can pay someone like Mayweather $9 million, but they're just still freaking not trying to bring in the best talents they have. Nate, that was the Yakuza, but I, I don't want to go too deep into it. But uh, yeah. I've said too much already, Nate. I shouldn't oh, even have, have mentioned that. But... See, now you're gonna get death threats and I don't know what you're gonna do with your life. We'll figure it out. Joey Benavidez, I got him all day over Dustin Ortiz. Yeah, that's I'd, I'd be surprised if Ortiz wins. I mean that's just the sad truth, unfortunately. Alright, next uh, fight is a lightweight fight, which I'm really excited for. There's this guy, Nate, and I'm not, I, like, I, I wasn't super familiar with him until his last fight. I just happened to catch it. Um, we got uh, Gregor Gillespie fighting Yancey Medeiros. Yeah. And this guy, Gregor, he's, like, super accomplished, uh, Division One All-American wrestler, and he's 12-0, and and I watched his last fight. Um, it was USC fight night, Rivera versus Marias. And he won uh, by submission. He beat uh, uh, Pichel. And I, like, I was just watching this guy. I'm like, who is this guy? He's like super like talented. I've never seen him before. Um, and I just kind of like started doing my research. And I'm like, dude, 12 and 0, like super accomplished wrestler. And I was like, I got to keep my eye on him. And apparently there's all this hype around him because of his like uh, credentials in wrestling. So I'm like super excited to watch him fight again. But I'm just bummed that it's against Yancey Medeiros because like I'm a huge fan of Yancey as well. Yeah, Yancey's good. But yeah. he's definitely not doing himself any favors taking this fight. I don't know why he, um, he was out for so long because I, I I know um, he lost to Cowboy in, in, in his last fight and he had an injury and I think it only put him out for like a, a couple months but he hasn't fought since last February. 
You know, I think just like anything, like sometimes you need rest, man. And I think it benefits people, especially him. He was taking a lot of damage in fights. Like, because he's one of those people, when you want to throw down, he's going to throw down with you. And I think it was kind of catching up on him because that was with like, like most of his, you know, he says like the baby giraffe legs, you know what I mean? Like he's freaking wobbling and like, and that was like pretty much his last couple of fights. He was kind of getting tossed up like that, like, you know, getting hit with these hard hits. And that really does a lot to you. And I think he just probably felt he needed some time off to kind of let himself heal, especially if he, he felt like he couldn't take a hit like he used to. And I think that was pretty apparent in the Cerrone fight because he was just out on his feet in that fight. I heard in an interview that Yancey did, he said he used to be a hungry, happy Hawaiian. That's the way that, that he used to fight. But he said going into this fight, he's a smart, happy Hawaiian. Um, yeah. So I'm just kind of curious because like, he, he said that he has you know, t- taken the time off and he's been able to study Gregor and he's going to go into this fight um, like with more of a game plan. So I'm just curious to see if he's going to be able to actually like execute it. And um, I assume he's going to try to keep the fight standing because I don't think he wants to go to the ground with Gregor. Yeah, so especially I, with someone <laughs> that accomplished. Yeah, for definitely. So I, I'm, I'm just curious to see if he's going to be able to, you know, uh, keep his uh, distance. But... Um, uh, Yancey, he has the advantage um, in height and reach, so maybe he'll be able to find his distance early and just be able to pick him apart from the outside, but based off Gregor's last fight and his uh, style, I think he's just going to want to close the gap and take him down, so I'm just really curious to see how this is going to play out. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's you know, the classic wrestler versus striker kind of matchup and generally the wrestler can win it's usually when the wrestler decides they want to strike is when you know it doesn't benefit them as well so uh, i see gregor not going to be taking risks he seems like a pretty calculated guy especially if you become like you know all division champion in anything you know you it takes a a good game plan it takes a good dedication a good mindset to really achieve those type of things and so i think he's probably has yancey figured out and i think he's just gonna tear him apart and like maul him kind of khabib style freaking just take him down and like probably submit him probably rear naked choke it's actually funny that you mentioned khabib i would love to see gregor gillespie fight khabib because they're both you know um like very like good at wrestling um obviously gregor has better credentials and khabib has just been wrestling bears when he was a kid but i I would love to see them fight obviously not right now because i would want gregor to be able to develop his skills even more because i don't want to see him get thrown in too early but i would love to see um eventually in the future if he continues this like undefeated streak make his way to the top and fight khabib i think that'd be such a crazy matchup yeah, kind of depends on what Khabib really wants to do as well, because his fights, you know, like his uh, manager, Ali, 
was pretty much just saying like he wants the money fights. He wants to like you know what's going to line his pockets more. Even though uh, Khabib said on a few occasions that it's not about the money, his manager is kind of making it seem like <laughs> it is about the money or what's really going to make push him to you know be a more namesake and things. I don't think he's going to take up and comers unless it's like unless Gregor can really just push the envelope in terms of like selling himself and like being very impressive in the UFC I don't I, I'd probably be surprised if they do, ever do fight I hope they do I hope something happens yeah I mean you never know I mean it could be like anything it could be a late replacement that's what people don't get sometimes you know just taking a opportunity on a whim it was like kind of like banana like almost knocking lando you know almost knocking out freaking and uh el kukui like you know like it was just like on a whim like on a short notice fight and he almost beat one of the best fighters in the game so i mean it's not not impossible he probably could get an opportunity if he you know is open to it so are we both picking gregor gillespie yeah, I think Yancey, he's, he's great. You know, he's pretty well-rounded. But I think he's on... I don't think he's really adjusted himself. He's, you know, still training in the same place. I don't think he has the mindset to really defeat someone like Gregor. All right. Let's move on to the co-main event which I think is really weird that it's the co-main event because these both these fighters yeah. aren't really well that are well known we have Greg Hardy versus Alan Crowder what do you think about this fight Nate you know I will give them credit they actually gave someone like Greg Hardy an individual that has a, a decent record you know even though he's unknown he's still nine and three you know like that's not something you know usually when they try to give someone who is you know up and comer especially someone that they want to develop or you know draw you know like make them up into the next star they usually try to spoon feed them like people that aren't that talented you know what i mean like it's like anything but um interesting alan even has like submission wins he has you know ko of course but the only thing with uh he's fighting an individual that just is insanely strong you know greg hardy like he's just literally like touches people and they're like shattering you know have you seen like his fights on uh <laughs> the contender series like is just like knocking people it's like almost like francis Nagano, you know, like he was just like touching people and they're just going out. But, you know, in the same way, you fight someone who's, you know, has a lot more experience like Alan does. You know, he was fighting a lot of people at his same skill level at that point. This, you know, Alan has some, he's, you know, has some status in the ring, maybe not the UFC ring, but he's had opportunity to really kind of develop and find, you know, he has submissions, he has, you know, decisions, wins, he's experienced it all. We haven't seen Greg Hardy really get pushed to the limit. So what happens when someone actually can test him? I feel like Alan Crowder might be the surprise pick because that experience in the ring is a big thing. 
He's nine and three. He has as many losses as Hardy does wins, you know? Yeah. And I, I feel like there's like so much um, hype behind Hardy because of all these like, you know, crazy knockouts. He's coming from the NFL, but just like you said earlier, you brought up Francis Ngannou. People thought he was like the next big thing, knocking everybody out left and right until he ran into Stipe, somebody who had more experience, more skill, and was able to fight him with a game plan and not just stand and give him the opportunity to knock him out. So I think I think I'm picking Alan Crowder to beat Greg Hardy, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I think Greg Hardy's going to turn out to be a bust. That's not to say, I mean, he does have the puncher's chance. I mean, I mean, all it takes is one good hit, and like he's proven that he has that strength. So it really depends on if Allen is going to approach, how he's going to approach this fight. If he's going to try and swing with the guy, I don't think it's going to work out for him very well. But if he's actually going to, Take his experience and really take his time and pick Hardy apart. You're going to see Hardy tire out and you're going to see him kind of give into the situation and just, you know, give up. But who knows? I mean, we we haven't seen him pass the first round. You know, we haven't seen him do much more than what he has done. So it's I, I, I do see Allen winning this, but, you know heavyweights you never know you know like it's just like anything it'd be like the last second of the third round and someone could get tapped and just out you know what i mean we could yeah definitely be wrong with our pick but i'm pretty sure we're gonna see greg hardy get exposed but who knows that's why I, I I love MMA. Like you said earlier, anything could happen. That's why we have to, um, well, we don't have to. We choose to. We love tuning in and just being there in the moment, just seeing things happen live. It's always exciting. Yeah, I mean, even just kind of like, even if you don't watch it live, just kind of the mystique of it, like even if you just, you're like, what, this person lost? You're just like, how? You know what I mean? Like you, when you're just kind of like unable to catch it, but you're like, I want to know what happened. And you just, you read it, you're like, what just happened? How did this person lose, you know? Like, and then you kind of like look into it and you're like, wow. Like, you know, when they break it down and do that's the thing about MMA. Like, I think even regardless if live or not, I'm just always just kind of thrown off by what's actually happening or what can occur. But one of those weird. moments that I had, um, I'll, I'll never forget. It was Chris Weidman versus Anderson Silva one. And I don't know why I, I wasn't watching the fight live. Um, but for some reason I was at um, Disneyland and I'll never forget. I was walking out of the little mermaid ride in DCA and I checked my phone and boom, just a flood of tweets. Chris Weidman has defeated Anderson Silva. And I'm like freaking out because at the time Anderson Silva was on that crazy tear, just knocking everybody out left yeah. and right. And uh, like a lot of like 
people that I respect in the sport were picking Chris Weidman to win because behind the scenes, everybody knew what kind of skills Chris had. And at the time, Chris was like this, um, uh, like this uh, up and coming new UFC fighter um, who, you know, was taking fights on short notice, cutting a lot of weight um, and like undefeated. He was, yeah, he was a super talent. Like, you know, he was just, the man <laughs> you know yeah so for um for for me to read that he actually did it he he, he did what like uh, so many men couldn't do i was like freaking out i was like i have to go home i i gotta figure this out and i was just like so shocked and i was like kind of mad at myself for not being there to witness it live but that was definitely one of those moments when Chris Weidman had uh, defeated Anderson Silva where I was like, how did that happen? Like, I have to see this. It was such a trip. Yeah, I guess uh, it's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes, you know, that's the thing, man. You've, you know, cause you want to just assume like that's how it's going to be. You know, it's like a lot of people was like when we saw the event with cyborg versus Nunes, a lot of people just, assumed it was going to be business as usual, you know, and it just wasn't like, even if I didn't watch that live, if I would have read that, I would have been like, holy crap, like what, <laughs> you know, I'm like, it actually happened. This cyborg finally lost, you know, like I would have been like, wow, how the hell did that happen? You know, and that's the great thing about this part. I mean, it's just so unpredictable. So, you know so aggressive so violent you know it's just like has all the things you want out of anything all right nate we've made it to the main event there's so much drama behind this fight are the flyweights or yeah excuse me are the flyweights on the line are they not we have henry cejudo defending his title against tj dillashaw which is an interesting fight for many aspects. Um, it's very interesting to see another champion go down and wait to try to capture another title. You have, like I said, the flyweights on the line, Henry Cejudo's first title defense. Um, there's just so much going on here and I'm very excited for this fight and I'm just going to come out and say it. I think, Henry Cejudo defeats TJ Dillashaw and resurrects the flyweight division. What do you think, Nate? I think Henry Cejudo needs to win if he wants to keep his job. But I mean, it's kind of like the same thing. I don't know if the flyweights really are going to go away because I mean, they've re-signed Benavidez for a contract of flyweights, you know? So it's just, I, I mean, if TJ had such an easy, weight cut i can't i kind of see him like actually doing it again like fighting that flyweight again even though i know he's talking about joking about like him killing it as if he won that i think the division would stay especially since you know looking at the lineup of people that are in there there's actually some really good people that's not to say they can't fold into bantamweight i just feel like there is a difference between bantamweights and flyweights i mean you see the flyweights are so small i mean you look at ortiz compared to some of these flyweights and he's just like he's like tiny in comparison i mean he's ripped he's built you know same with benavides they're you know 
built they're ready to go but they're just small in comparison because there's people that were featherweights to you know go down the bantamweight there's people you know bantamweight to featherweight you know it's usually these flyweights they have to fight in bantamweight because there's just not really many opportunities at a lower class but uh i don't know it's one of those things i i definitely I'm going to say I think TJ's going to win this. I He's just on a different level. You look at everything he does, he has that strength. It's more how much this weight – I mean, I think if he would have st- seen some him struggling with this weight cut, I probably would have questioned it more. But I think he's just too talented. I think he's just going to be way stronger. He's going to be – really fast i think cejudo if he can actually hold him down and take him down that's gonna be his only way he's gonna win but i think dillashaw is just gonna tear him apart i think he's gonna knock him out i think he's just gonna be the next champ champ i think i think i'm sick of this whole champ champ thing if i'm being honest yeah, why you don't you don't want people being champ champ? No, it's like I I hate that um, divisions are held up. I hate that when you're a champ champ, they don't even give you like the real option to defend both belts. Like McGregor got stripped, DC was gonna get stripped, but he decided to relinquish his title before that happened. So, and you got Amanda Nunes saying she never wants to fight it, um, uh, featherweight again. So it's just like I feel like it's just pointless at this point. Yeah, if you're not gonna be able to actually be a champ, champ for more than just that like little window of you winning the belt till your next fight, I just think it's pointless and it sucks to hold up two divisions and uh, fighters become active and it creates these log jams and it's just frustrating to me because I want to see people like Marlon Marias who's like way more than deserves a title shot we have to watch um, guys like him continue to fight um, for kind of no reason. It's like he's he's doing rematches um, against people that he's already defeated. It's like he should be fighting for the title. He, I, I think he beats TJ. I think, um, speaking on Marlon Marais, I think he beats TJ. I think he beats Cejudo. I think he's the best bantamweight in the world. He just hasn't been giving his opportunity. And um, that's because of this whole champ champ situation. And you got TJ Dillashaw talking about how he wants to go up to featherweight. He needs to pump the brakes right there because he's not, He's not even going to have a chance against Max Holloway. I think if, if for some crazy reason where um, things work out and we see TJ going for his third belt, I think he gets washed by uh, Max Holloway. That's even if Holloway stays in there because he's been entertaining the thought of going to lightweight as yeah. well. And on top of that, he's too big. He's a big featherweight. So the fact that TJ thinks he can step up, it's like, dude just chill like you lost to dominant cruise you got knocked out by um uh, uh dodson it's like you're not you're not untouchable so just just enjoy your situation and i i just don't think um i'm into this whole champ champ thing again yeah i could see you know it's just one of those things it, it's just to try to i mean it's just like anything everyone follows in mcgregor's footsteps you know they see that as being 
the way to garner attention or to be considered the best when generally it's just like you look at McGregor, he never really, he never defended the featherweight belt, you know? (laughs) I know. And he, God, he went on such a tear in that division. He took, he took down Aldo. I didn't think Aldo was ever going to go down and he just starched him 13 seconds, one punch. And I mean, he won the lightweight belt very impressively too. He tore it. Alvarez apart. Dude. I watched that live and I was like, wow. I was just like, what is even going on? Like you look at Alvarez's um performance against um Rafael Dos Anjos and then you look at how he fought McGregor. I don't know like what went wrong cuz he didn't even look like the same fighter. Like I don't know he he just looked like It's a, all mental, man. Yeah, like, he was like a deer cool. in the headlights. He just kind of like stood there and got beat up. That's like that's why I feel like that's the main reason why Khabib won against McGregor. He just didn't fall into McGregor's plan, you know. Like that was the that's why Aldo lost. He just yeah. was so emotional that he just went in guns blazing and he just got caught. It's it's a weird tactic, you know. It's like what Muhammad Ali would do. It's the same thing, you know. Is as you get in the person's head. If someone's already defeated, already have doubts in their head, there's no way they can beat you. It's just not possible because if you doubt yourself, there's just no way you can beat anyone else who's already sure of what they can accomplish and do. And uh, I mean, it could be a double-edged sword too. When you're too confident, you can <laughs> get humbled pretty nasty as well. But yeah, that is just too much sometimes. I honestly feel like I would love to see McGregor come back and be more active in MMA because I definitely didn't like him stepping away to do his boxing thing. And he was just like on the fence for a long time about coming back because he wanted obviously a big money contract. And Khabib did his thing, you know, won that fight fair and square. I'm not going to make any excuses for McGregor, but I would love to see him come back and take the sport serious again and fight for the belt again because I I think he's more than capable of beating like a lot of these lightweights. There's a lot of interesting matchups for him. And I think if he's serious about it and comes back, there's a lot of good fights for him in that division. I think if he really wanted that Khabib fight, he would have to fight Tony and beat Tony. Like, I think that would solidify his title shot. Well, isn't Tony fighting uh, Poirier, or is that not confirmed yet? That's not confirmed yet. That's not, conf- that's not confirmed yet. That's what because they were talking about Poirier fighting McGregor again, but you know, and Cause I mean, as always, thought they were doing that little uh, tournament. Or I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. It was supposed to be Ferguson versus Khabib, and then Connor versus um, Poirier, and then the winners yeah. fight each other. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you. I knew it was something like like that. It was in my brain. I just had to figure it out. But you um, corrected me. And yeah, I, I think that little tournament would be fun. Um, even though like we, we saw uh, Connor defeat Dustin Poirier at featherweight. But obviously, since Dustin's he's a different up, fighter. At yeah. Lightweight. Yeah. He, he, he's come up and he's just been starching fools. Oh man! Uh, imagine if that P head uh, <laughs> got the rematch. Imagine if he whooped Connor. How crazy would that be? It would. I mean, it just shows you how people grow and develop in a sport. You know, 
like Poirier just, you know, was maybe cutting too much weight, just too, you know, much. And so him actually being his, his, the correct weight class could be what makes him win, you know, could make him stronger, make him, you know, and he's grown. He's become even more talented. And so I think that would be the way to go. I mean, I think they should do that, especially since McGregor, did you see him tweet about uh, they said he was back? Yeah, I was actually going to get to that because um, we haven't talked about the new UFC belts. But since you brought it up, um, it, it was cool to see that he said that he was back because um, honestly, I, I think those new belts look super sick. What what, what do you think about him? <laughs> you know, I don't think they look that bad. Like, I think like the old ones, they kind of just look like, you know, replica like wwe kind of like fake looking you know these ones it looks like they actually had a thought process behind them and they really wanted to you know represent the company and you know even their fighters because they have a lot of references to like the first you know the countries that first won the belts you know for each one but there's a lot of details in it but I see a lot of people don't like it. I I don't mind it. I think it looks pretty cool. I think it's just people are used to how the UFC belts originally looked because they're pretty iconic. They're pretty, you know, you know, anyone that's familiar with the sport, they see UFC gold, they get it. They know what it is. And this is just kind of looks like a Power Ranger. uh, Got (laughs) an improved belt. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I don't mind it. It looks pretty cool. The old belts had Velcro on the straps, and I thought that was just so stupid. Yeah. Like, you, like Velcro, it, it always just seemed cheap to me. So the yeah, fact that these new belts have those, like, little, like, buttons that click into each other, I'm like, dude, that's, like, super legit. Yeah. I mean, and it just looks like... It just looks more impressive, I think. I mean, yeah, it looks kind of different but i mean they i mean it's just like anything they have a reasoning behind it and they trying to start like a new era in the sport just go with it you know (laughs) it's like any of these people they're not going to really care what the belt looks like it's more of what it represents and i think they're trying to push it to represent their company and their fighters even more than the original belt did so I don't I don't mind it at all. Yeah. Or, I like the fact that it's actually um going to be personalized for each yeah. champion. And I I think that's something that's going to be like, you know, super legit and way more uh, meaningful to the fighters cuz they're not just getting some belt, you know, some generic belt. Yeah. Like they're going to get something that's like has their name, their weight class and their country engraved into it that they can like, you know, have forever. Yeah. I think it's just like anything they're focusing on making it more about the fighter and making it about, you know, their accomplishment and just like anything, like the original one had served its purpose, but sometimes you got to switch it up. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I'm down for this new change and I'm excited to see, uh, you know, whoever it's going to be TJ or Henry. Um, it's going to be cool to see, um, somebody holding it after the fight tomorrow night. 
that means they have to make two of these things. So it makes you wonder what they do with the extra ones. Because, I mean, at least, the, you know, because they're not personal. Like, the original ones weren't personalized, but these ones, they're personalized. So do they just have, like, a placeholder one? I think that's what people were, were wondering. I I don't think they're personalized till after the fact. Yeah. So they, they might just get, like, a generic, like, blank one. And then, like, you know like 30 days yeah, later say like maybe it will it won't have their name or anything so it'll probably say like flyweight or etc and yeah. then you know they'll like make the adjustments because it looks like a lot of things can kind of like come out or do different you know what i mean like you can make changes to it on the fly kind of looks like a modular type of look to it with some of this stuff so i don't know i think it's possible i'm sure they have some plan and i doubt they want to make double the freaking belts just uh as a precautionary thing yeah because it'll just be like um for like things like the super bowl you know how they, they have to print the merch beforehand because they don't know who's gonna win and then yeah when um they have all that extra merch they just kind of just uh take them to those countries um in need yeah <laughs> i like, uh, what <laughs> that's funny it's just like here you go here's the team that didn't win you can have this crap yeah i feel like that's like a whole like that like will distort somebody's life because imagine like those people coming to the the like states and be like yeah like i, I have like the super bowl shirt from this year like like you know and they're like super stoked that that team won but in reality <laughs> they got all the losing gear yeah, they're like, oh, the Cowboys, bro, you know, or whatever. And they're just like, that never happened. <laughs> you yeah. get shell-shocked. It's like, uh, your whole life has been a lie. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, we've been lying to you. Yeah, and then that's how terrorists become. <laughs> Real quick, before we get too far away from it, um, who's your pick? Henry Cejudo or TJ Dillashaw? It's Killashaw, bro. The Damn, you want to see out. you want to see the death of the flyweights. I have real beef with you right now. Oh god, fuck them. <laughs> this is for this is for the flyweights, bro. We're resurrecting the flyweights tomorrow night. I'm going with the Olympic gold medalist, the only Olympic gold medalist in the UFC, Henry Cejudo. Hey, well, I hope you like your dreams shattered because <laughs> the flyweights are gonna go bye bye. <laughs> I think they're gonna be fine. I think it's just no. Honestly, yeah. like low key, like win or lose with Henry, I, I think the flyweights are done. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's over. Just makes Cejudo fight him at bantamweight. Ugh, I don't want to see this fight like right away after, you know, because we're gonna be in like uh, Cody Garbrandt kind of territory. Because like, like imagine. Henry Cejudo or TJ, like doesn't matter. Whoever wins, they go up to Bantamweight and fight again. What if the the uh, the loser from the first fight wins, and then we're gonna see a third fight? So we're gonna be dealing with Henry Cejudo, TJ Dillashaw for the next like two years. I don't want to do that again. That gets so tiring. Yeah. Well, they kind of put. I mean, they kind of put themselves in that place a lot of times because I mean, they did do it with Garbrandt. I mean, unfortunately for Garbrandt, he lost. And so it didn't, you know, play out to do the trilogy, but I don't know. And I guess it's just whatever they, I, I don't really get the matchmaking sometimes, you know what I mean? Like you think they would want to like let people grow or change, you know, <laughs> 
then just throw them into the wolves again. But well, they do owe the Fertitas four billion dollars, so I think they're just trying to get the most money out of these fights as they can. So they're trying to do like big money fights, you know? Yeah, that's my only but, um thing is I think that's why because if you look at it before when um the when zufa still owned it and joe silva was still there we weren't saying we weren't seeing these stupid matchups as yeah. much like we, we see crazy things here and there but not as often like i feel like i've been like conditioned for like weird fights yeah and i don't I don't know. It, I mean, it's a big thing. It's like you start starting to really factor in how people feel about the UFC too, because they want to see these matches between, like you know, like you're saying, Marlon Morales, and thing. you know, they want to see these people get their opportunities that are really talented, and even these these fighters, they get frustrated because they're just kind of in limbo. You know, they don't really get their shots, even though it should be moving in a progressive way especially if they are being you know so dominant or you know it's like even like cub when he was at his win streak you know like he had like pretty like six seven like it's like and he was like the only one in the featherweights at that point and he still didn't get his shot you know and then he lost and then that pretty much went to the wayside for him and i don't think he's gonna ever get to that place again and I, I, I don't think it helped that he um, didn't want to re-sign before his contract was over. He you yeah. know, took a risk and wanted to fight out his contract. And I don't think the, the company likes that. Yeah, I don't think so either. But I mean, I, I don't really blame these people. They're really, you know, there's so much opportunities now outside of the UFC that which is funny because, you know, they have like that suit against them about, you know, like from previous fighters saying that they didn't, you know, like about wages and things like that. But yeah, they, they're going to win that one now because there's yeah. there's too many places to go now. Like that argument's lost. Fighters can't say that anymore. Like UFC is not a monopoly. There's too many places to go now. Yeah, I mean, like, look at the people with the 1FC, look at the people that went to Bellator, look how much money they're making. There's some of them are making more than they did in UFC, and they were... Ryan Bader. Sorry, go ahead. Well, yeah, even, like, look at, like, Alvarez and all that, like, you know, Demetrius Johnson, they went to these, and they're probably making a lot more money. Yeah, Alvarez was talking about he's making like millions now. He he didn't want to disclose um, how much he was making exactly, but he he said that he's going to be good for the rest of his life after this one contract. Yeah, and that's you know how can you really argue that the UFC's whole like you know like not paying people the amount they are you know like I feel like just like anything they, they, everyone has that opportunity because a lot of people you know. It's kind of controversial with the fight bonuses or any, you know, there's a lot of people want to, <laughs> a lot of people want to see them gone away. Yeah, it's so, whack. I, I like um, Ryan Bader went to Bellator and he was just like, hey, um, he wants a new contract. He got a new contract. He, he, he's fighting for a flat rate. I, I think he's making like 200,000 per fight, win or lose. And I think that's the way it should be. Like, I, I think it's lame that 
these fighters go out there and they're literally putting their bodies on the line, their, their actual health, their brains are getting destroyed and like they have to fight for a win bonus. Like I get it back in the day that was like the incentive to want to win, but like the sport has come such a long way and yeah. I don't think fighters should be having to fight for um, half their check. I, I, I think they should just get the, just get a flat rate, go out there and just put on a, a performance. Because I don't think anybody's really going out there and wanting to half-ass it when somebody's trying to freaking kill you. I feel like yeah. everybody goes it's out just there. It's like and, anything. If someone's like that, you let them go. You know what I mean? Like It's like, well, we're paying you this amount, but you're not really backing it up. You let people like that go, you know? Like, honestly, we don't see it worth, you know, holding on to you because you're not really proving yourself. And they have the opportunity to do that. But I think it's just like anything. It's just a, something most like promotions used to do in order to maintain money, you know, or to you know, guarantee that they don't have to pay people more than what they're worth, you know? Yeah, I, I, I feel like give give the fighters like flat rate. And I think every fighter that wins by submission or knockout should get a bonus. Yeah, I think, you know, it's like they did that in the like the tough, like, you know, the ultimate fighter tournament that they would do. Like, you know, they would like every time someone scored a KO or submission in that show, they were paid like 10 grand or something for each one. It's like, how can you do it for the show, but you can't do it for like actual events? You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I feel like that would help drive um, what they're trying to do with the win bonus. Because I think everybody wants to, you know, so, um, be um, like flashy and be like a fan favorite by gaining knockouts and submissions. And not everybody can do it all the time. So I don't feel like they're going to be handing out crazy money every night because we'll see some cards where every fight's a decision. So I feel like they should try to restructure the way these fighters get paid because I feel like a lot of fighters are definitely underpaid. Yeah. I I definitely think, I mean, that's mainly the big sell, like, because especially considering where, they took away a lot of the, you know, advertisements people used to make off of, you know, their shorts and things like that. At that point, they should have restructured their pay system, especially if they were going to, you know, because like how Bader was saying when he originally had, you know, was making like when they did the Reebok deal, he like started losing a ton of money because of it, you know? Yeah, basically think of uh, Brennan Schaub. He came out and said that he was making like six six figure checks from his sponsors. Like he was making more money in sponsorships than his actual fights. And I remember Dana White called him a liar and tried to like talk crap, but he busted out his like um, tax returns and showed him like here, like here's my proof that I was getting six figure checks for my sponsors and you guys are going to cut this. Like you guys don't understand how much of an impact it's making on on all the fighters. Yeah. So there definitely should have been some some sort of restructuring on the pay, but that's just you know one of the many things that's wrong with MMA these days, Nate. But I hope over the years, over the next couple of years, like these 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 things can be fixed. Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like you need to change the guard as well. 
like I think Dana White's really done a good job to where he, you know, he's brought the company, but I think he needs to maybe step aside as well because I, I think they need to switch it up, get someone with a different mindset, a different type of selling point. I think that's why you're starting to see some of these other companies like, you know, Scott Coker, you know, having, you know, teaming up with another company, like how they had their two champions fight together. They had made like that deal. Like, you know, you need to broaden, you know, the, these, you know, these fighters, they're like treated like employees, but mostly they're contracted, you know, like they're contractors really, because like they could get, cut at any moment or they get held against their will at these things and I think there just needs to be change in that and I think it, it would benefit you know the UFC and even and all the other companies if they kind of had loosened up their grip around some of the fighters you know I mean you look at just how much boxing you know like Golden Boy and things have, you know, really worked with Mayweather promotions and different things, you know, coming together. I mean, there's goods in that. I mean, of course, there's a lot of cons in that, but you need to, like, see what benefits the fighters the most, you know, and that really the people that are just hosting the events. I hate in boxing that there's, like, seven different champions. I think they need to unify all the belts. But I, I do, like, um, you know, seeing uh, cross promotion and stuff, but I feel like UFC doesn't ever want to do that again since they kind of got screwed over by Pride when they did it back in the day. They got hella finessed when they bought yeah. they bought Pride and they got like obviously the cool fight library, but then they got a bunch of like whack contracts that didn't really mean much. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I honestly don't mind. Wise. Um. Uh, don't like I don't mind Dana White just because I'm so used to um, seeing him. I, I I just wish he was more um more available to the media like he used to be because remember he used to do those scrums and he used to do way more interviews and now like we just barely hear from him. Yeah, well, I mean, he made a lot of money off of the, the selling of the UFC, and that's what. You know, a lot of people were kind of saying he's a little tone deaf. I mean, kind of like the same thing how he attacks people, you know, within his own company, his own fighters. And, you know, if I was fighting under him, I wouldn't, you know, want to get yelled at or like someone, you know, to calling me a liar on, you know, ESPN or things like that just because, you know, I disagree with the guy. Even though, even if he was wrong, or if I'm, you know, I'm right and he's wrong, you know, because he's always good. He's the face of the company, pretty much, and so it just doesn't put you in a good place to be in odds with a boss like that. Yeah, you'll end up like Tyron Woodley, who's like probably the greatest welterweight ever, and he has all these problems with the company. And I swear, as soon as he loses that title, like he's done. They're not going to give him another shot at it. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that's why they're trying to do whatever they can to make him lose. Or he's too to good. Push. Yeah, he's too good. Kamaru Usman, Marty Usman, Marty from <laughs> Nebraska. It's over for him. That his O's gonna yeah. go. Tyron Woodley, you're talking about the chosen one, Nate. Marty just needs to just take a step back. 
he's going to regret that choice for actually signing that contract. Yeah, I don't see Usman winning that fight at all. Yeah, but we'll save that for another day, Nate. I, I think this is a good place to end the podcast. This is the first um, MMA podcast that um, we've done, and it won't be the last because I feel like this is a good trend. It's been fun, and I definitely want to do this again. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm always up. I'm always seeing you anyway. <laughs> All right. Is there anything you want to shout out or plug before we go, Nate? Uh, no, I don't care. I'm not, I'm not Instagram famous, Jamie. I don't want. <laughs> I don't want attention. I don't want to be oh my getting God. all these people hitting me up, going, "Oh, you have been so thoughtful and that's all these great things to say." So, I mean, you can you can plug whatever you want, Jamie. You want to take someone to Olive Garden? You want to do something? You get this your opportunity. All right, Nate. Nate's throwing shots. We're gonna talk about it offline. Um, I'll put his Instagram in the description, show some support. This has been fun. Um, and we'll be back with another MMA podcast soon. So thank you for listening. This has been fun. This has been another episode of, um, kind of the JMRK podcast, but not really the, the MMA edition. We'll figure it out. Uh, we'll figure out a cool name for it, but thanks for listening and we'll see you guys soon. Thank you. Bye.